you take a moment and grab a Bible if you've got an electronic version with you. It's going to be in Joshua chapter 1. You'll find in your Old Testament, uh, after the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Just take a moment to chat to, uh, chat to your neighbour. If you don't uh, know someone, if there's a new face, why don't if you're a regular, go over and, and say good day and, uh, and grab a Bible. Open up, we're going to be in uh, Joshua chapter 1 in just a moment. Get to it. It's great to have a few visitors with us this morning. Uh, looking around, I can see a few faces that I don't recognise. So, If you are a regular, please make them feel welcome. That would really help us out. And by the way, there's a few faces here that have been coming along for a while. So please get to know um, the people around you that you don't recognise because they may not be newcomers. Uh, we've got a number of new people choosing the fellowship with us from all around God's creation. So welcome to each and every one of you this morning. For all friends, it's always important to look at Scripture in context, isn't it? I'm always telling you to, to look at the context, to understand Scripture. We need to know what's happening before and after. And when it comes to Joshua chapter 1, I think it's particularly important to look at the emotional context of what is happening here. God's people, about two million of them, are once again on the edge of the River Jordan, once again at the edge of the Promised Land, a land that God has promised to give them, promised to give them through uh, their father Abraham and again through, through Moses. They are once again poised uh, to take hold of all that God has, has promised them. They were here 40 years ago. If you were with us last week, you'll know that they had a false start. They allowed fear to overcome their faith and they get turned around and, and wander the desert for, for 40 years and, and the entire generation dies off out in the desert. Everyone over the age of 20 of that faithless generation perish out in, in the wilderness. There must have been a time of incredible grief seeing all this, this death around them every single day out in the desert and have now just copped another body blow. Moses, the great lawgiver, the one who spoke directly to God, the one who liberated his people, who parted the Red Sea, who brought water from the rock, is dead. Keep in mind, he's the only leader these people have ever known. And, and, and now, now he's gone. It must have been a time of Tremendous uncertainty for, for God's people. And I must be wondering what, what, what's going to happen with us without, without Moses here to, to lead us and his staff and the miracles that, 
that he would, he would perform. Well, God has, has called Joshua to take over from Moses. Moses calls Joshua in before his death and gives him a charge and says, Brother, don't take your foot off the accelerator. Don't you whip out on God. Keep going. And here in Joshua chapter 1, we see God himself encouraging Joshua. Big sandals to fill. For those of you who have got my message, by the way, I do write out a message word by word. If you want it, I'm happy to email it to you. Some of you have got it. My young and beautiful wife pointed out that in my written sermon, I said that Joshua had big scandals to fill. It probably works both ways, either sandals or scandals to fill. Moses was far from perfect. He was a flawed leader. And now Joshua must be feeling the weight of responsibility. But God comes to him and gives him a master class in courage. This is actually a master class in leadership. All great Christian leadership institutes love to look at this portion of Scripture as an example of what Christian leadership looks like. But I think really all of us, at the very least, have to lead ourselves. So we can all learn from this passage. We can all have takeaway uh, from, from this passage where God grabs, uh, you can all imagine him grabbing Joshua by the lapels and getting up in his grill. Imagine God reaching and saying, Joshua, he repeats this command three times. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, each time, by the way, with sort of an increasing forcefulness. Verse 7, be very strong and courageous. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you to not be fearful? Each time this is a command. This is in the imperative. It's not a suggestion. It's not God saying, if you, if you want to, you might want to be strong and courageous. No, this is a command. It's a command to Joshua. It's a command to the whole of the Israelite people. It's a command to you and I. Be strong and courageous. And then he gives us three lessons, sort of a how-to guide. We get a, a, a lesson here from God, three key lessons about what courage is and how we can have it. Firstly, let's be looking on the lookout for this. Courage springs from having a clear assignment from God. Secondly, courage rests upon the affirmation, the knowing that you have God's presence with you as you go out on your mission. And finally, Courage is anchored in God's word. We all have strength and courage. If we are clear about the task that God is calling us to, if we are confident of his presence with us as we go, and if we are grounded in God's word. Let's have a look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn 
uh, to the left or to, to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Almighty God, we pray for your help to indeed be strong and courageous. We thank you for this masterclass in courage this morning. We pray that you will give us ears to hear. We pray that you'll help us to take these lessons to heart and indeed to apply them in our lives. May we not simply be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all, is, in all that is said, in all that is heard. And all the people said, Amen. Firstly, having courage springs from having a clear assignment from God. We're not called to simply just be courageous for the sake of it. You can't be courageous without actually having a mission or a task or an assignment. I mean, think about it. You're not actually expressing courage just sitting there, are you? A courage, a little bit like love, is a verb. It's an action. It's a doing. Well, we're not called to simply be courageous. We're called to be courageous for something, in order to do something, in order to, to achieve something. So courage is defined by our, our mission. Courage is, is not just a feeling. It is an action. Courage is something that you do. In Joshua's case, he had a clear calling from God, didn't he? He had a big job. His job was to lead God's people into the promised land. And as a result, he was able to be courageous because he knew where he was going. He knew what he was, he was called to do. Verses 1 through to 4 is God telling Joshua, Moses is dead. It's on you now, mate. It's up to you. He's saying, giddy up. Get cracking on your horse. Let's go is really what God is, is saying here. You need to, to take action. Just as an aside here, by the way, uh, this is a good example of how we need to be very careful about raising up godly men and women and, and relying on them, about asking them to bear a burden that they really shouldn't be expected to carry. We see this happen in the church. We'll see, we see this happening in, in politics or just in the community. We raise someone up, a, a great godly man or, 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 or woman, but we ask them to carry something which they're not really designed to live. This is, this is also an example of why we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously in this life because ours is but a fleeting moment in history. We are but one link in a chain that God has been calling his people down through the generations. We, we need this eternal perspective, I think, in order to, to give our lives meaning and purpose, that I fit into a, an eternal picture. I, I'm called by God to, to, to fulfill this calling in this time. It, it, this is the reason why you shouldn't put too much store on just one particular person in, in the church. We shouldn't never think that 
Oh, because Moses is gone, all is lost. Or oh, Billy Graham's dead. Who's now going to do the evangelizing? Or oh, Tim Keller died last year. Who's going to do all the good Bible preaching on the internet now? Or oh, 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 my great aunt Flora, she was such a godly woman and, and now she's gone. Now I'm sure your great aunt Flora was a godly woman. Praise God for her. But God is not up in heaven going, oh no, what are we going to do now that Aunt Flora isn't around? God's up in heaven going, next. That's the reality of the situation. God's purpose is not thwarted when one person dies or falls into sin, perhaps. God grabs the next generation in Joshua or you and I and says, go. Get going, take action, keep on advancing. I suspect that there are some of us here today who God has in fact been calling to action. He actually put something on our hearts and calling you to a job. He's actually brought a need to your attention. This person, I've noticed this person has a real need or this situation I can can really help with, but you've been, been wimping out on God. You've been telling yourself, well, I couldn't possibly do that. Or you've been, I'm just simply discerning, I'm waiting on God. At some point we need to stop thinking and considering, stop discerning and actually get up and go. Jump on the train. Get over there. Go and, and get it. There's a famous passage that many of, us, many of you will know from, from by heart from Ephesians chapter 2 that we love to quote. For it is by grace that you are saved by faith, right through faith. We love quoting that in the Protestant church, in evangelical circles. We are are saved by God's grace through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. It's all the work of God. For we are each God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. And this is the part that we sort of tend to forget. To do good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. There are good works that God has prepared ahead of time. Before he stitched you together in your mother's womb, he knew you. He's called you to a task. He's called you to be a part of his kingdom, to labor alongside him in bringing his kingdom here to earth. Isn't that good news? Isn't that encouraging? He's given you a task. He's given you an an assignment. So let me encourage you. Don't, when your time comes and you... You lay your head down on that pillow for the final time in this earthly life. Don't let it be the case that you let those opportunities go. You never picked them up and and ran with them. Don't die with unfinished business. Don't die with words left unsaid, with work still to be done. Lives still untouched, lives unblessed around you. Don't Don't drown in that crowded sea of apathy that I see every day in modern Australia. People just living their lives for for themselves. Get passionate about the assignment that God has laid on you. He has prepared for you. This is our time, Church in the Marketplace. This is our moment. This is our chapter. God has said, Church in the Marketplace, here you go. This is your assignment. I actually said this phrase. It's a good example of the power of words can have. I said this to a mate, and I didn't even, don't even remember saying it. We were young men in our 30s, our parents were sort of retiring, and, and, and 
was clear that we had to take on some responsibility, in my case, moving into ministry, and in his case, uh, starting up a, a, a business. And he said to me, Pete, you said to me a few years ago, this is our time. And as a result, I didn't remember saying it, but he said, I really ran with that. And he ended up building quite a successful uh, business because he ran with the fact, this is my time. This is my link in the chain. God has given me a job to do. Let's, let's get at it. Can I also quickly point out a bit of a danger in Christian circles, in some Christian circles, when it comes to actually stepping out in mission? Some of us are far too spiritual than God is actually calling us to be sometimes. Sometimes we use spiritual flowery language to mask the fact that we're actually afraid to step out in faith. Some of us get very, very good at saying all the right things and, 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 and we, we use very super spiritual language. We like to think we're a little bit more spiritual than perhaps some other people. But I have to say, I've met a number of people down through the years who talk like that, who act super spiritual, but in actual fact, completely ineffective for the kingdom of God and actually taking ground for the king. Hang out in churchy circles, say all the right things. When the call goes out, let's go, let's advance, let's take ground there, go AWOL. They are nowhere to be seen. They go missing in action. Don't let that be you. Today's uh, Adult Sunday School is a, is a good example of the need to sort of just take action. I, of course we need to wait on God and, and discern. I had been doing that. You know, our church needs a couple of extra opportunities for people to gather around God's Word midweek. Just an hour here on a Sunday really isn't going to be enough to grow you. You need to be meeting midweek with your brothers and sisters in Christ around God's Word. So why do we start like an, an, an adult Sunday, so like a Sunday small group? And I wasn't really sure about it. And I thought, oh, well, just wait on God. I don't want to run ahead to the left or to the right, as today's passage said. But the last couple of weeks, a couple of people just sort of just said one or two pieces, and I thought, that's it. Okay, God, you know what? We're just going to do it. I'm just going to announce it and see what happens. And praise God, 12 people have said, count me in, Pete. Let's go. If you want to join us, just come and just lob in after morning tea this morning. Sometimes you just need to take action. Can I also give you a word of warning? Do not get too caught up in your personality types, in your gifts matrix. We have all sorts of wonderful tools. Anyone familiar with Myers-Briggs? Uh, sort of, I'm an ESTJ. Look, these are all helpful tools to sort of understand who you are. But at some point, God just asks you to forget all of that. And you know what? Just take, just take action. And think about it too. Think of all the times that God calls someone in, in the Scriptures. He doesn't actually ask them about their... Their Myers Briggs skills matrix, does he? He just calls them. He doesn't really say, now what do you what do you feel like doing, Pete? In fact, quite often it, quite often it's quite the opposite, isn't it? He actually calls someone completely unqualified. Think of Moses himself. He was a hot mess. Tried to get out of the gig. But God said, No, no, this is the calling that I've that I've got for you. And in our passage here today, God doesn't sit down with, Josh, Josh, with Joshua and say, hey Joshua, how do you feel? He doesn't say, now Joshua, how do you see yourself fitting into our organization? He doesn't say, now Joshua, you know, 
let me, let's talk through you know, your skills. No, he just says, Joshua, you're my man. Let's, let's go. It's going to encourage you to quit sort of camouflaging cowardice and reluctance to actually step out in faith with, with psycho babble. Sometimes you just need to step out in faith. Courage, like faith, is a muscle. It grows stronger the more you use it. A word of warning, though, when we do step out in faith and take uh, courageous and take action, you won't always be met with bouquets of flowers. They won't always roll out the welcome wagon, will they? In Joshua's case, they didn't cross the River Jordan and come to the Canaanite. The Canaanites didn't say, oh, goody, the, the Israelites are here to take our land. You can expect slings and arrows when you step out in faith for God. You can expect some opposition. In the words of Elizabeth Elliot, you might remember, Elizabeth Elliot was the lady whose, whose husband was killed in South America trying to reach, a, trying to reach some unreached uh, tribe of South American native Indians. She says, Jesus Christ has not called us to a playground. He's called us to a battlefield. Friend, we are called to war. Bomber pilots are famous for saying, you know you're over the target when you start copping flack. When they start shooting at you, that's when you know you're on the right track. So stop running away because of opposition, friend. You'll be running all of, all of your life. So what has God laid on your heart to do in 2024? How is he calling you to, to take action? I mean, when was the last time you actually stood back and asked, what is the action that God is calling me to this year? When was the last time you sort of stepped back and thought, well, God, what... Who, have you play, who are you placing on my heart? Who can I, who can I love and serve? So that's the first thing. Having courage rests upon knowing your clear assignment from God. When you're clear about, yes, God has called me to this path, then you will find courage. And courage will well up inside you. But secondly, having strength and courage rests upon the, the assurance of God's presence as you go. So firstly, having courage comes from knowing that you're called by God and secondly, from knowing that God will go with you as you step out in faith. When you study the callings throughout the Bible, it is interesting to note that God rarely, he almost never calls someone to a task without also assuring them of his presence. It's a pattern right throughout Scripture. In verse 5, we see this. He says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Why? Because just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I reckon at this point in time, in Joshua's head, he's hit the rewind button, hit the replay button. But Joshua was there for all of those wonderful acts. Joshua was there at the parting of the Red Sea. So when God promises, just as I was with, Josh, with, with Moses, I'm going to be with you, he must have thought, oh, wow, we were up against that Red Sea. We're, Nowhere to go, trapped, all hope was lost. We had the sea and the Egyptian, and God provided through Moses. He must have thought of the times when they were dying of thirst out in the desert. Moses strikes the rock and water gushes. He must have thought of that moment when they're at war with their enemies, and, and while Moses held, holds his hand up, the Israelites are victorious, but 
his arms start to droop and they start to lose. And Aaron and Hur needed to come alongside Moses and hold up his arms for him, one on either side, in order that the Israelites might achieve victory. This must have been running through God's mind, just as I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Again in verse 9, drop down to verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God says to Joshua, do you think I'm going to send you out alone? No, I'm going to go with you. Take me with you, bring me with you. I'm going to be with you, giving you all that you need. He's going to be with us in the midst of our challenges, church in the marketplace. There's going to be some opposition. You see it every day in the media, don't we? increasing opposition to the church out in the public sphere. I want us to note that having God's presence with us, though, being assured of our mission, being assured of God's presence, doesn't mean that we're not going to occasionally be afraid. I mean, Joshua was one of the 12 spies that scoped out the promised land and saw giants in there. He'd seen with his own eyes the opposition that lays ahead. I'm quite certain he was very apprehensive about what lays ahead, but knowing that God's promise, that God promises to be with us, grants us courage. It means we get prepared to trust in God's power, God's strength, more than the strength of man. I'm going to fear God more than I fear man. And by fear, I mean sort of a holy reverence and an awe. I fear God, I'm in awe of God more than I'm in awe of the strength even of giants who might come against me. Phillips Brooks was a wonderful 19th century preacher. He said, I love this, he said, do not pray for easy lives. Isn't that a, right there, isn't that a challenge for we 21st century Aussies? We all want an easy life. He says, no, no, don't pray for an easy life. He says, pray to be stronger men or women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. God has put a journey, a job in front of you. Pray for the strength, the power, the courage to be able to face it. Then he says, then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be the miracle. I love that. Friends, let's be the miracle, bringing God with us wherever we go. Be strong and courageous. Know that I am with you. I won't let you down. So, courage is knowing that God has called you, given you a task. Secondly, courage comes from knowing that he will be with us on the journey. And finally, courage comes from being anchored, grounded in the word of God, in God's, in God's promises. We see this in verses 7 and 8, a couple of verses that set the tone for the entire book of Joshua, a wonderful couple of verses of Scripture. Here in these verses, success and prosperity is very closely linked with Joshua's relationship with God's good life-giving law. It says, in order to be successful for the task that God has placed upon us, you'd better be, you'd better be based, you'd better be anchored, you'd better be rooted in God's good life-giving law and His command. And he gives us three ways that we can, we can do this. Three ways in which we can remain grounded in God's word. He says, let it always be on your lips, which is just an old-fashioned way of saying, be speaking out God's word. 
We should be speaking out God's word, not just on a Sunday morning, throughout the week. May, may God's word be on your lips. Let's be a people who actually quote scripture in our daily conversation. I, I am sometimes a little bit struck, and I'm guilty of this myself, is that where our conversation out in the world so very easily turns to weather and sport or whatever it is that you're interested in, we very rarely actually quote scripture in our, in our daily conversations. Let's, let's have God's promises always on our, on our lips. Quote it. Speak it out. Proclaim it. The trouble is, how can you quote it if you don't know it? The sad fact is, biblical illiteracy in supposedly Christian Australia is, is appalling, really. We need to understand that, that the success of the Western world, the success of the English-speaking Western world in particular, is as a direct result of our Judeo-Christian foundations. We are living off the capital of those generations that have gone before us and have built a prosperous society. But now, sadly, we're turning our back on good God and his good life-giving laws. We think we know better. I, I, I'm wondering, how long can we go on rejecting God's law? How long will God keep prospering us in this land? How long can we keep turning our back on his, on his commands? I mean, even here in the church, there's so many of us that don't really know one end of Scripture from the other. Can I encourage you? Get to know your Bible. Chat about it. Join a Bible study. Proclaim it. So have it on your lips. And then he says, meditate on it day and night. Now, interesting little piece of Hebrew insight here. The word for meditate is also the same word for like a low sound. It means like a whisper or a hum or a murmur. The, the picture here is of ancient Israelite people sort of just reciting Scripture to themselves throughout the day, meditating on Scripture throughout the day. Can I encourage you to, to give it a go? Just pick one verse. Just pick one Bible verse. Have a, a verse for the day, perhaps, and dwell on it. Just meditate. Just roll it around in your mind. It's amazing how even just by changing the emphasis on one word, you see a different angle, a different challenge, a, a different insight, perhaps. Meditate on God's word. May it be the sort of the, the background soundtrack of your life. Not just Sunday mornings, right throughout the week. I mean, do you have a daily Bible study? Do you have a daily Bible reading plan? Do you, I don't know, do you have a praise and worship playlist on Spotify? Right? Do you, do you have some Christian podcasts? Do you listen to, 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 audio Bible, to the audio Bible? Do you have... Hope 103.2 in your presets, in your car radio. There's just some ideas. You might have plenty of other ways that you can meditate on God's word throughout, throughout the week. I, I actually read of an old preacher, an old minister this week, who actually had memorized this very verse, wonderful verse uh, to memorize, and he spoke it to his children and grandchildren the moment they were born. The first words that that his children and his grandchildren heard him speak as they were born, was this promise from God. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful way of claiming God's promises for this 
this newborn child. He was able to do that because he knew it. He was able to do that because it was the background soundtrack of his life. And when challenges came, all he had to do was turn up the volume. Meditate on God's word. Get this stuff into your system. Know it. Possess it. And finally, he says, do all that is written in it. It's another challenge, isn't it, to step out, to step out in faith, to actually put our faith in, into practice. He says, I, I, I'm giving you a task and I'm going to go with you, but I'm not going to do it for you. You have to step out in, in faith. I've heard it said this way, you can't steer a parked car or Sometimes you don't really know the wind is blowing until you put up the sail. You've got to step out in faith and have a go and do all that God is calling you to and then you'll be prosperous. Then you'll be successful. Some of us are getting discouraged and we're wondering what's going on, but we're not actually taking any action. We're not actually doing what God's word commands us to do. Courage, faith is a verb, a doing word. Let's get up there, get into it, and do what God is actually calling us to do. So I'm going to leave you with a few application questions, church. Uh, you give this master class from God uh, to, to, to Joshua. Do you have the courage that comes from, from knowing that God has called you? He has a plan for you, a calling on your life? knowing that God has signed his name over your life and is calling you to a task? Is it likely that you're going to be called to lead a great military action like Joshua? But he's got something for you. Do you know the courage that comes from the assurance of knowing that God will be with you every step of the way, that he promises to, to stick with you through it all, to never leave you or forsake you? And do you have the courage that comes from, from knowing that you are anchored, your life is rooted, grounded in the word of God and his promises from his word, having it always on your lips, meditating upon it and doing everything that it says therein. So church, I want to leave us with a challenge that nothing significant ever really happens by accident apart from someone actually with the strength and the courage to, to act. Somebody has to pull the trigger. And I want us to know that Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of strength and courage. Jesus himself, wasn't he? He was anchored in God's word. He was always quoting it all the time. When he was tempted in the desert, how did he counter Satan's lies? He quoted scripture. It was always upon his lips. He was obedient to the Father's, he, he was confident of his Father's presence at all times. At his baptism, God's presence descended visibly upon him as, as a dove. And he was confident of his mission. He was confident of his calling, wasn't he? We read that he set his face towards Jerusalem. And as our reading says today, would neither be distracted, wasn't deviated to the left or to the right. He set his face. With, towards Jerusalem with an unflinching determination to follow through on God's mission, to do what God had called him to, even to the point of death. Unlike Joshua, his namesake, by the way, Jesus is just the Greek form of Joshua. It means the Lord saves. This Jesus, this new Joshua, 
unlike that first Joshua, actually went to his death, paid for his mission with his very life. He went to death for you. He went to death for you to secure your place in eternity, to secure your place in that heavenly land of plenty, that heavenly land of milk and honey. That is our heavenly home. He went to his death to pull you out of sin and darkness and death and into glorious life abundance. So church, let's be strong and courageous. Can I encourage us all to place our lives in the strong hands of Jesus today, having courage, stepping out in faith, knowing that he'll be with us always as we do everything that he has commanded us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your help as we step out in faith. We seek greater courage. It does seem as though at times we are once again entering into a time when there is opposition allied against us. It seems as though there are giants in the land with great power and influence. So we ask for your help in having the courage to step out in faith, to take action knowing that you are with us always. You will never leave us or forsake us. Father, we pray that you will help us to have your word always upon our lips, to be meditating upon it day and night, and to do everything that you command us to do. Help us to lay hold of your promise for prosperity in this land, we pray. In Jesus' name, all the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.